Hello, everyone, and welcome to Art and Labor. Um, I am OK Fox. And I'm Lucia Love. And we're joined here today by a very special internet friend uh, whose writings on style I have greatly appreciated over the, uh, I don't know, months of getting to know you. Uh, Thank you. That is so nice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Biz, Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Biz Sherbert. I'm um, a writer. I mostly write about fashion and culture and fashion theory. And I focus a lot on like Gen Z online subcultures. That's very cool. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And Abyss's and, and Twitter handle is at, uh, or not Twitter, God, I have Twitter on the fucking brain. Instagram. Is <laughs> Mark Fisher quotes, at Mark Fisher quotes. Yes, at Mark Fisher quotes. <laughs> um, well, it's great to have you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Great to have the Gen Z uh, rep- perspective and representation here. Is <laughs> Gen Z person? <laughs> Probably. On the pod? I, I mean, what, there's what's some the cuspers. Oldest? Yeah, maybe Zach. Is Zach Gen Z? I don't know. How old do you have to be? It's like uh, 96-ish. <laughs> oh, okay. So like 24. Maddie hasn't been on. Maddie's Gen Z, but I don't think she's actually been on. She was just sort of, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know either. All I know is that Zoomers are, at first they were going to save us because they were like better than us. And now they're not going to save anything and they're probably going to genocide the millennials. I heard that is the most recent. Is that the up to date? Yeah, that feels correct. I I used to be like, um, I used to really be on the bandwagon of Gen Z of like hating millennials for fun. (laughs) Then I like something switched in me. And I just became really obsessed with millennials, like um, like 2010s like culture, which obviously mm. is very recent, but like early 2010s. Oh, but it's like history to you. <laughs> yeah, it's different. It hits different. It's like what I think about like early American apparel like all the time, every day, which is oh, obviously wow. like quintessential millennial. Oh, I hated American apparel. I never went there. Um, yeah. I, I did have a friend who worked there and when they shut down and stole a bunch of shit. I feel nice. like, yeah, they did that like every day if you worked there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's that's really interesting. The the I feel like that with, with Gen X. Like I feel like I really admired Gen X, but it's like the opposite, because I really admired Gen X when I was younger and then I grew to really despise them. And then now I'm neutral and I'm like the generational warfare is a charade. Definitely, uh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's way better to have warfare along the lines of, um, like, what you think is cool. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, definitely. I feel like that's, like, um, really what happens on TikTok, for sure. <laughs> oh yes, the culture war is alive and well on TikTok. Yeah, I um, accidentally got TikTok famous on huge oh, yeah. accident um so now i have to um think about tiktok more than i i want to can you tell us about how you got famous i'm not actually famous i <laughs> i lied but um i have like uh, 20 25 000 followers on tiktok which isn't like that much but um relative to any other platform that i've ever used it's like an insane amount like 
a bill that's like billions um in my little brain oh okay so basically i um was really anti-tiktok i think like a, a lot of us were like pre um quarantine times and then my friend erica said hmm you can make an educational video and so i said educational video okay um, and so I did that and it was about dark academia, which is like a subculture slash aesthetic that, um, it didn't start on, um, TikTok. It started on Tumblr, but it was accelerated on TikTok and became super popular. So I just made a video about, uh, like the key aspects of it and then analyzing why it's popular and that people really liked it. Um, Wait, is Dark Academia tied in with like the Jordan Peterson crew? The dark um, web, the the no, intellectual dark, dark web. Okay, so Dark Academia is really a, like a rebranding of. Did you guys use Tumblr? Yeah, I did. I, okay. I was. I got a, my most popular internet account was a Tumblr account, probably. Right, right. Um, so basically, it's just a repackaging of like the kind of like the harry potter aesthetic or more <laughs> specifically like wow. it's okay honestly it's it's a um, romanticization of like 1940s and earlier boarding schools so it's very much like what's that robin williams movie um where they're all like young <laughs> fit boys wearing school uniforms that's it's like so famous dead poet society uh, dead poet society yeah, yeah. or like with nell and i or yes that's exactly what it yeah. is totally i i feel that <laughs> like i love that aesthetic as i i really like um early uh uh shoujo manga like 70s shoujo manga and they're all obsessed with like british boarding schools oh, yeah. and would do a bunch of like you know yaoi like bl like type stories that take place in boarding school right i, I like read i read so much of that. <laughs> yeah i feel like that's like really because all um like successful aesthetics associated with like authority have like a oh certain um like uh permanent attraction i guess yeah it's like it's like in it's an allure, particularly for like BL, like because there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of academic writing about like BL and why it's why is it like this and whatever. And Wait, what is BL? Oh, BL is boys love. Okay. It's a it's a subgenre of manga um, that is often written about. It's like it's like a, a it's like its own type of aesthetic. But I don't want to get too off topic into comics because that's like that's like. I come from like the Tumblr comics shit, like, and that's how I know like all of my friends is because we I had a a Tumblr blog for old vintage comics, and then I had another one that I ran with my friends called Goth Summer, and that was like a, a popular Tumblr aesthetic for a while. In like yeah, that sounds like it would be or whatever. <laughs> my downstairs made. Wait, do you like like American comics as well? Not as much, but sort okay. of. I had like a fun fact about oh, well, it. 
What's the fun fact? The, the fun fact is that my downstairs neighbor is the heir to like the Harvey Comics Empire. Oh well, <laughs> which is like they invented like ca- they didn't invent, but they like popularized and had like the trademarked like Casper the Friendly Ghost and like no, totally, like that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> of course, hot stuff, the little devil who's just timeless. Um, I've never, yeah, I've never told anyone <laughs> that before, so you guys get the, the scoop. That is a scoop, especially for the listeners of this podcast. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I'm gonna plug his. He's making a documentary about his grandfather or great grandfather's legacy and like work and stuff. So, um, I guess you guys can go watch that if you want to. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if you like. I feel like that is very relevant actually for right now to get back into actual fashion. The um, one of the popular winners of Canada's drag race who didn't actually win was this queen Jimbo, whose mm. whole aesthetic is that like kind of era of American comics and like alter and but like more alternative. Com- like he, he looks like a Jim Woodring character, like in and out of drag. It's like, it's it's very interesting and and Jimbo was incredibly popular with, with Gen Z and like it became like the most like social media famous after after uh, like even more so than the winner I think which I don't know is very bizarre. That's cool. I have. I have is not... there something about Gen Z that just likes like a a very um uh I don't know uh I just sure of themselves aesthetic. Yeah, I would say Gen Z's more attracted to like extravagance versus like uh, really specific curation. I see. So just like, but I don't know if that's true. I made it up, but I think. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I feel like um, like the rapidity, the rapidity of like trends changing now means that in order to be a um, consistently like trendy or fashionable young person, you have to evolve a lot versus like um I feel like what made like a really cool like millennial hipster was having like nice things like you know what I mean like obviously like American apparel is not that nice but having like um I don't know like bespoke things um like or or do you think it's a consistency thing because because I kind of feel like like early tumblr was like somebody who's like all pink and they're just all pink. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's always going to be a fate of mine, I think. I mean, I like that, too. I, I'm, Yeah, I'm just not sure. Like, it just feels like uh, it feels like mirror images almost. Like, I was thinking when you were talking about TikTok, like how how like Vine was like very similar trajectory for a lot of people and then is now gone. Yes, it's like a very much like, uh, I guess, a liminal platform, which I think makes it more exciting because you always think it's going to get like ripped out from underneath your feet. Like like Vine did and like, yes, they like were Vine talking, did. Yeah. yeah, and like they're talking about like banning it and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, I've just been watching all these <laughs> videos of the TikTok houses. Oh, oh my that's my God. addiction. My big oh my, addiction. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I I just... I try to put myself in the position of these kids growing up all together in a house and they're like, all right, um, like, you know, we eat, we sleep and we post content and they're all like, you know, 
15 years old or something and like every day they come out with some new messaging for their skincare routine or like they come up with some slapstick thing that they all do with their housemates so that they can just keep paying to live in this little um like isolated uh compound with like a basketball hoop and a trampoline and the description it's really strange to me, like, because I don't really understand what kind of content you can get out of that lifestyle that would actually relate to people that have a more, um, like, of a, you know, physical connection to the world. It's like, well, I don't I, know. When I was 15, I was working uh, at a diner. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no idea. But, but I don't know. Yeah, there were a lot of 15-year-olds who didn't have to work, like like, I don't know, I'm very similar. I worked, I worked all through my teenage years, but I, I had a lot of friends who were like super into like radio Disney and going to Disney world every oh year. God. And it, it yeah. just feels, it feels like it's that for this generation, like, or something. Is there like, no way it's totally different because it's like when you live in a TikTok house, it, you're just, you're like churning the capital mill, you know. You're like, okay, so did the Disney stars, Lucia. They but all lived the, in a house together, and they oh, had not the, to... oh, not the Disney stars. I thought you meant the people who were just going to Radio Disney. Oh no, I because that's I, a different thing. I, I get, I guess I'm getting them confused because I honestly don't know the difference. But like... okay, all right. I was just gonna contest you because I was gonna say, look, Radio Disney is its own thing. Disney okay, stars, like, okay. I mean, that's I, also a different like thing that. because that's where you get people like Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears who were like you know Manchurian candidates of like you know youth culture but then you know it's like this is more there's houses all over the place and they're not necessarily I don't know they don't seem like a monarchical kind of thing no they definitely are they definitely are wait what does monarchical mean or like what does that mean I it, mean, it's like it's like the like chosen, yeah, like the oh, chosen okay. children are. It, it definitely groomed. started off with like a huge amount of exclusivity because it started off with um, Jake Paul, uh, like his right. team penthouse, and he was he was the blueprint, and now it's just like a really yeah popular model for people who want to make it on social media because I think. Um, I feel like the big reason it's just like really good for manufacturing drama versus like actually manu- like it doesn't manu- manufacture um, content so much as it manufactures drama like for content, whether that's like content in terms of like um, drama channels on YouTube, like covering right. things that happen in the house or um like the creators that gets, themselves that like gets the most hits is when yes like people do yes. a big compilation on youtube of like this drama with this makeup artist and this yes. whatever and and that's like some of the most watched content online period <laughs> yeah i definitely yeah that's 100 percent correct i think <laughs> it's just it makes me so annoyed because it's so so utterly vapid but i i, I it, it but it's it's no different than to me, like, than like gossip magazines of old, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I find it very soothing, which I think also that's probably why people watch like keeping up with the Kardashians. Yes. Or they read Fair. the yes. gossip magazines. It's very like, mm, like, like smooth brain vibes. Totally. That's totally fair. And like, it's not like I'm immune to that. Like I definitely have had my share of partaking in these things in the, whenever you know and and like 
and politics drama is its own type of drama to get addicted to. We were, we were just talking about, so before we started recording, is of course, you know, uh, the question on the world's mind, is the president dying? <laughs> um, like, And what an insane spectacle that has become. Um, like literally today, like just all of the mainstream news outlets trained on the president's uh, helicopter transport to Walter Reed medical and like wondering like, is he going to be able to walk? Is he going to be in a gurney? And it's like, it's, it's an aesthetic question. Like we were talking about before, but um, because in the past, like there was like a, there recently actually in the, in the recent past, there was like Trump trips on a staircase or something. And then he tweeted about it all day and it's it's just this is like a to look good is really important to him it feels like um, yeah totally. well, it's kind of all he does yeah he does it it's, <laughs> you know he just projects strongman energy so for him to get sick it's already like affected the markets a lot and like we'll see because it's yeah he's kind of held up together yeah like like you guys are saying by aesthetics that's kind of his whole deal <laughs> but i feel like he's held up by this like uh i feel like he does have a lot of strong aesthetics in place and the way he presents himself but there's like these like all those cracks um that show like his hair being like so fucking weird or just like anything that's like he, like, he has like the uncanny valley appeal um when you like watch him talk yeah, or like if you happen to see him from the angle, like everyone was sharing the debate where he, his ass is just like trying to Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trump is thick, you guys. He's so thick. thick. Uh. <laughs> but I don't know. He could be dying. And, and it's and the images were just breaking while we were are recording this right now. And, and that's like <laughs> what so many... It's just kind of insane that like the images of how the president is carrying himself in this illness is determining so many like decisions. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's so stupid to think about. But. Well, it's something that also, <laughs> I mean, if we're going into precedents, it most, you know, there, there's like a, there's like a whole um, style lineage of power and whiz that, you know, it's Thank like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You you mean like 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 uh, Reagan hiding his health stuff and uh, FDR hide like hide, like all of these guys just hiding their conditions in for yeah, pictures? It's yeah, it's like it's constant. It's yeah. just it's just this constant thing. And oh, what if the media gets a hold of it? And you know, I don't know. What if they find out that I got stuck in a bathtub and I'm the president? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, and it's true. Uh, but it—I don't know. It's—it's it's ultimately really, really, really fucking stupid. It's—it's in, it's insane that, like, um, apparently for for the debate, he was just like, "Yeah, honor system. I got a test." So he did. They didn't actually rapid test him <laughs> before the debate. Um, and so then it was like this whole thing all day of like, does Biden have it? does and then the other super spreader event was the amy coney barrett uh announcement so anybody who was at that like supreme court court announcement um 
they might be positive for COVID. So it's like all these senators, like this is all, like all these people. Uh, Zoom Senate. <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know if we like need, we need child politicians. So they won't get sick. <laughs> they won't get sick. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is just making me think about how Bolsonaro was dealing with contracting COVID and how it all ended up sort of folding back into his way of, like, being um, too tough to die. And, like... He's, got, he's gotten it, like, three times. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I am imbued with strength from the heavens, which is why I do not succumb to COVID. And I feel like Trump is going to do something mm-hmm. like that as well, where he's just going to end up getting pumped with, like, a bunch of cortisone or something, <laughs> and he's going to be yes. fine, and then he's going to get out of the hospital. <laughs> oh yeah i know hey I know. Um, yeah but yeah and then he's gonna get out of the hospital and then he's gonna be like see not a big deal everybody i don't know what everybody's talking about with dealing with this virus you know you get it and then you don't have it anymore just like the president that was totally. my first thought that that's what was happening that he didn't actually have covid and that he was just um he was just doing a little psyop for fun um, yeah, but he wouldn't fuck with the market on purpose. Yeah, I, that's true. That's true. I think that's I the one. That. But I, I, I believe, I believe that that if he does recover, it's going to be good for him. Um, it definitely will be good for him. Wait, um, what happened to the market? The 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 futures dropped like five hundred points or some something, and so mm-hmm. and it's Friday, of course. So, well, the Friday it, markets did not go really well. Did not go well today, but we're not going to know more until Monday. Does the market uh, just like? I feel like it changes when people are just in a bad mood or something. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, basically they're, they're like grumpy. There's actually a volatility index as well, and that's of course fucking haywire. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens on Monday, but it's uh, yeah, it's incredibly stupid. But the other the other um, point of evidence for you guys, what you're saying is um, of, of Bojo uh, over in England, um, Boris Johnson. Um, he got COVID really bad, recovered, and um, his approval rating went up afterwards significantly. No, it it only it only spiked briefly. Actually, there was a whole bunch of coverage about that as well because people started freaking out. They're like, "Oh no, it's going to be great for Trump," but it was really just such a momentary lift that it it just went right back down. Yeah, and of course, because it's also because he is showing deterioration post COVID. Like he has like the long term effects of COVID, yeah. and it shows. Well, I, you know, he looked crazy <laughs> before too. Yeah. Yeah, he's a really like he's a very like milk colored man, very <laughs> in appearance. Yeah, I mean, now he's he curdled, <laughs> and he does a similar thing with his hair as Trump, but maybe he should do the bronzer too. Oh no, but he's but but that doesn't fly in the UK because no Americans they get tan, you know, because we have we have Florida Florida culture. Wait, I feel like he should draw on fake freckles like an e girl because freckles are like kind of a British thing, and yeah, actually be really cute. So maybe he shouldn't, but I don't know. 
he I mean, could. Uh, I think that's the alternative in in England, as as opposed to the tan. Like, a cute yeah, because because the freckles kind of distracting. It might be too Irish, though. You oh, that's know. so true. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, maybe that'd be good. You maybe know, good. he's like, I want to reach out to the Irish. Really sorry about all this. Oh my god! So he gets like a a, a, a freckles <laughs> transplant as like a token of gratitude. <laughs> yeah oh god yeah what is with that like sort of like woodland woodland nymph like freckly like looks like a like a deer like a deer furry that's something i think about all the time because it's something i really indulge in like wearing elf ears and stuff um i feel like it's um racist somehow just because like (laughs) i do i because like the the like like fantasy worlds like lord of the rings is all like absolutely yeah. very racist and so i'm like very hesitant to see all of it like editorialized in magazines and um and on popular platforms online but like it is that's like deep that's yeah very popular right now um definitely but i feel like the 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 magazines they do like straight like really blatant like blackface and stuff too so like. yeah that's true that's true i just <laughs> think about these things all the time so i'm like <laughs> like i'm oh, on no. you guys. And, but yeah but you're right like because like a lot of them are trying to like rebrand as like more progressive or whatever yes <laughs> um but yeah i i don't know uh if, if we want to keep going on on onto woodland nymph aesthetics and the problems with that or if you have any more like recent um aesthetic fixations that you're interested in talking about yeah um i would love to talk about um, the whole uh, there's a couple of fiascos recently I'd love to talk about regarding uh, dress and politics and like subculture. First oh, of all, um, I guess we could talk about the Boogaloo Boys. Um, oh, okay. That's a love to say. My my brain is exploding. Yeah, over <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, no, Lucia. If you if you have things to say, please. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I I want to. I just want to let y'all know that I watched Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo, and now I understand what everything is about. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm listening. I haven't seen it yet. Um. Okay. So let me let me just let me just tell you about this movie. Um. It's like. The whole entire movie is a dance movie where everyone is actually doing like boogaloo breakdance moves and stuff. And it's um it's kind of this like LA community of um like it's like a Latin neighborhood that has a community center and everyone in the entire community knows how to dance. Um, including like the nurses and like the cops and everyone. <laughs> it's like a it's like a musical. It's but no singing, just dancing. Um, better, like a lot better. Yes, it's transfixing. Yeah, yeah very I transfixing. Love, I loved it, but so the whole entire thing is like, um, you know, the community is trying to save their community center, and the community center is called Miracles. And Miracles is this place where they teach kids how to, like, defend themselves and stuff. So there's scenes of kids who are, like, learning how to box and, like, 
learning all these different fight styles and then learning how to like dance in unison. Wait, and oh my God, that's so cool. It's dude. It's cool as hell. These kids are like, they know how to fight. They know how to like perform. And then they, they like go and do all their schoolwork and everything. And it, I was like, where's this in my life? Like, I wish I had a community center like this. I totally get why they're trying to save miracles. Um, So then they, you know, all get together and through the power of working class solidarity um, that goes across uh, racial lines, they uh, defeat major developers who are trying to turn (laughs) the community center into a shopping center. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good classic 80s movie right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, though, because most 80s movies don't really have that angle of like, oh, we're doing this to we're all getting together to save the center. It's more like, oh, we're kind of doing things. But the focal point is falling in love with someone. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. But I do feel like it was a trope for a little while that we got to save the ex from Oh, yeah, we have to save the theater. Like, whatever. It's a huge one. The uh, Aspen Ski Club bullies, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But it, like, now I'm starting to see all of these, all of these developments, like, that the Boogaloo people are doing, where where I'm like, um, like, when they got mixed up with Hamas in particular, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Hamas has this program where they take all of the kids in their communities and like teach them all of this tactical stuff. And it was kind of like miracles where they're like, we want all children to be able to defend themselves because, you know, we live in a crazy like apartheid state. Yeah. I, I, I really see what you're getting at here. Like, cause, cause I was also really heavily thinking about the warriors while um, um, also thinking about, uh, breaking to electric. Blue yeah, blue. yeah, it is. It's, it's like warriors where, but then instead of the gangs fighting, they have to form solidarity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little of that that happens in the warriors, but like not. Um, it, it, yeah, it's 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 different and a lot. Yeah, it, uh, similar like costumes, like you know, um, this this group dresses this way this group dresses this way as like yeah militias are starting to do that too is very interesting right yeah um yeah exactly it's all it's all like fashion coordinated and and it's getting to the point where like i don't know because the boogaloo thing is really confounding to everyone because they have such different members you know? Yeah, that is like one of my biggest contentions with like the media's portrayal of them and like their way of dress as being super symbolic. Um, I think like because the Boogaloo Boys are so they're like particularly difficult for people to understand because everything about them is so heavily filtered through the internet and like the internet has this this way of almost like self generating lores like. Um, it kind of reminds me of like uh, email hoaxes, chain mail back in the day. It's like this mythic aura that like news won't ever have and like can't ever have. Um, right. And so that's like why like the internet is like such a perfect place for making um, like a mythical uh, entity out of just like these random um, dudes who like have honestly like diverse politics am- amongst them. 
Yeah. I was watching some of the interviews with uh, more of the anarchist members Mm. of Boogaloo who are talking about, like, you know, they're just extreme Second Amendment, like, um, writing on the wall kind of people who are, like, in the middle of Virginia or they're in, like, um, they're around the outskirts of Dallas and it's like they kind of talk about how the government structure has just completely abandoned them to the point where they're like, what do you want from us? You want to like abandon us and then also take away our ability to defend ourselves as the country becomes a like raging police state. Like, I don't know about that. Maybe we should inform our communities. Yes, but yeah, I mean, I I think that, um, like, when it comes down to it, they're, like, alienated, usually, like, at their core, white, masculine, like, working class men, and they're, like, fundamentally misunderstood by intellectuals, um, so I think that's why, like, the liberal media often treats them with this, um, this, like, obsession with categorizing them, um, which I think is like ultimately a waste of time and energy. I'm just curious as to like how, you know, because they attract like uh, women Mm. and minorities in different chapters of the groups. So it's, I mean, again, that's why it's like the media is like, well, they're, they're only, they're a bunch of white nationalists. It's like, well, yeah, except for the ones who aren't white. So how do you like how do you square that well i i I think that it it reminds me a lot of the armin bundy case too um where you know the media can easily paint them as like you know angry white guys like who are uh you know you know deserve to be in jail crazy gun guys took over the land or whatever and it's like well if you look at like how their whole like economic situation is set up they the government was fucking them over really badly and so how do you expect people to not like respond in this way and then you listen to the bundy guys now and it is like really insane that they got off and and everything (laughs) like it it's it's it shows a clear bias towards white men who have guns yeah um, versus everybody else um but they're not like super like their politics are, are at least pretty consistent. They're not like super pro cop, you know, and that kind of reminds me of the Boogaloo boys where the, the real, like the real scary, like white nationalist militias are the super pro cop ones. <laughs> like that's right. how you can tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause even some of the white nationalist groups will have like a token, like black or Latino member, but From what I can tell, the tell all the like hardcore uh, white nationalist groups like think that the Boogaloo Boys are like um, like little babies. Like, <laughs> seriously, like I think it's like um, there's a kind of uh, fictitious representation of them as the 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 worst of the worst, um, like the rejects from the other militias or something. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know what to think of them really, because yeah, it just seems like all their chapters are different, and I don't. I don't live over where Boogaloo Boys are really. 
Yeah, I'm actually from um, South Carolina, like born and raised. Um, so I feel like I have like a a, a fairly. Uh, okay, why don't you tell us about like boogaloo, like the word and where it originates from? Because oh, okay. it's, it's more it's it's a southern thing, it's it, right, and it's more yeah, it's, I mean, no, it's Louisiana. from the dance style. Actually, right. it's like and the dance style is kind of like a New York LA thing. Wait, I heard this. Oh, really? I heard yeah. So it's so basically the movie that Lucia was talking about, which is Electric Boogaloo. That's that's its name, right? That's its yeah. Name? Okay. Breaking um, two. Breaking two. Breaking two. Okay. So I think that just got memefied at some point in the 2010s on on some forum. I don't know if it was 4chan or somewhere else. But um, then from so that word became like uh, really important to them, but also became a, like a, a euphemism, I guess, for like the upcoming race war that they were um, talking about often. And I don't know how that happened specifically, like what the well, it, it, there was, but. So like the meme thing came out of a lot of people joking about like George Bush. Um, okay. So the, the memes, the meme was like George Bush two electric boogaloo. And it was a joke about like the second Bush, you know, uh, I don't know, like failures and the war that was started under, or I mean, you know, conducted under his watch or whatever. Um, and then like the whole idea is they want to have a civil war, um, (laughs) against the state. So it's like, so the idea is that it's a sequel of the civil war. Okay. Um, It was a race war. (laughs) No, no, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's a civil war because that's like a wider, umbrella that okay. people are operating under but then yeah. white nationalists can pick it up and call it what they want but they're they're just anti-statist yeah like they're, at, li- at the they're core. like libertarian dudes who are hanging out oh, yeah here I, I thought that boogaloo came from the south for some i thought like the that sounds music. like something southern people would say like well, like because the my dad managed a band when i was growing up the zydeco band and that's based in louisiana and they always talked about boogaloo and i was like oh i guess it's oh yeah i actually am I in guess New Orleans, it's a and that it's the word <laughs> that people use here is boogaloo um, yeah. yeah they just use it to mean dance though but yeah, yeah boog- it means boogaloo. like getting down <laughs> mm. boogaloo came out of um like the uh 1950s and 1960s and um yeah it was this dance that people would do in um they brought to all over like from spanish harlem mm. okay um I'm, and I'm then like <laughs> and then uh james brown um started like popularizing it okay yeah that that all makes sense that all checks out because zydeco music is very influenced by that um that uh by james like by all of that so that makes sense that why it would be popular in louisiana yeah <laughs> Uh, it's... I would like, love to talk about boogaloo fashion as well because no, yeah, that's what we have to get to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I do be, I do be considering it um, often. <laughs> so do they? They have a particular 
way of dressing, the boogaloo movement? Yeah, well, they're most um, widely known for their their preference for Hawaiian shirts. Um, that's how they've been definitely codified in the media. And now, like, Hawaii, people won't wear Hawaiian shirts because um, it's kind of, for them, translated into, a, like, a hate symbol. Um, but the origin of that is actually... So like boogaloo kind of kind of sounds. I mean, this is like the the lore, but it kind of sounds like big igloo, and like um, it also sounds like uh, big luau. Like it's like it's all these like. Um, oh, so they're just like they're just jet. They're just like freestyle. Yeah, they're just they're just riffing like really <laughs> hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically. Like that's that's the official story, but honestly, Hawaiian print shirts have been um, they're kind of like endemic to like libertarian and libertarian ad- adjacent group style for like a really long time. Even though it's obviously like incorrect to categorize the categorize the Boogaloo Boys as just like straight libertarians, um, but I think it's like they're they're really working within a line of like alternative masculinity represented in this shirt versus this like very trite point of um the word boogaloo sounding like big luau that is like the accepted narrative it like makes me feel crazy that like people are like that's exactly why like thousands of men have uh wear this every day now i i see what you're saying it's it's um it's really more like it's these these type this type of man have like kind of found each other and are like you like to chill and wear Hawaiian shirts me too type of thing because there yeah. are a lot of men out there who have that aesthetic yeah <laughs> it's like um so when I first so I actually first became interested in the way that they dress and how it's being represented re- represented um when one of my friends Taylor Durrell um messaged me about he, okay so like fashion week is happening ish now and saint laurent just uh released a collection with a ton of hawaiian shirts in it and that's like the that's like the thing from the collection that's super popular nice um so yeah bizarre. and so it's this very interesting like cultural moment when people are rejecting like wearing Hawaiian shirts because they don't want to be considered part of a group they don't identify with. And then at the same time, we have like a prestige high fashion house creating the exact same thing. Um, and it's like very popular right now with uh, like dreamy boy celebrities from like the show Euphoria. So it's like, oh that's like, what got, that's what got my brain turning. Um, was that happening? The, the release of those shirts by YSL. Jeez, that's <laughs> it's like yeah. really goofy, right? Like yeah. no it's really connect. It's funny because, like, so I mean, the like the history of Hawaiian shirts is really like uh, diffuse. Like, people can't mm-hmm. really pinpoint how the style even began, but some people think that it was like um, traced back from um like through through hawaii it was like a reworking of japanese fashion yeah yeah um and that's like uh 
I don't know. I guess like in the 20s in particular. Yeah. In the 20s, people used to make uh, like shirts called Yukata out of Yukata. Um, So yeah, people think that like that kimono fabric is where it like stems from it, it there's also there's like a lot of like really interesting like trading of like similar types of prints that like came through africa and then like went to europe and then like keep like there's it, like when because i at one point i i started reading about like like critiques of cultural appropriation because like i don't quite understand where the lines are sometimes mm. with it and um yeah and it and it got me thinking about like how like something that like people think could maybe be like traditional Dutch has like is actually like has African roots or like vice versa, like because of colonialism. And it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so this is like, you know, there's like some pipeline going through the Pacific in right. this specific Definitely regard. Pacific, yeah. And then there's this weird kind of thing where I feel like the Hawaiian shirt has just come to sort of be attached to a midlife crisis kind of a guy. You know, yes. it's not it's not just like any guy. It's a guy who is in a crisis. Like he wants to feel like he has his mojo back. So he's like, I'm going to dress a little more flamboyant, but I'm also really cool and casual. And like, if I pair this with my military gear, then I'm going to like, I'm going to be ready for anything. Like these guys love the big Lebowski. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're like, you're like completely, completely right. Um, It's like the zesty piece of all like boring, boring white men. Um, (laughs) But like something I really wanted to talk about with you guys that relates to that is how um, no one is like, no one is talking about the influence of uh, Hunter S. Thompson in this trend. Because I feel like he's been, like, really blacklisted by, like, the media and, like, literature elite because he's um, really beloved by, like, the common folk. You know what I mean? Like, um, frat boys and stuff. Um, he's not highbrow. Yeah, he's, of, yeah like, yeah. people, like, won't say, like, you people, like, won't be like, yeah, like, my favorite book is, like, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, oh man i was just reading his hell's angels book oh my god how is that i have been thinking about that a lot in relation to what's happening right now with the boogaloo boys yeah it is connected it's definitely like you know straight up nightmare fuel um when he gets into like the details of the organizations and like what people actually do on a day-to-day basis it's scary it's just really scary but it also is this precedent of like oh yeah we've always been sort of a place for these groups that have like um you know it's it's like where libertarians meet anarchists meet alt-right meet militia like it's like this huge mixing pot of people who want to exert their agency, but sometimes they have motorcycles and sometimes they have guns and they just walk around outside of Hobby Lobby or whatever. Yeah, I um, I copied and pasted some like quotes from that book into a Google Doc because I've been <laughs> thinking about them a lot. Um, which here I'm gonna read one if that's okay. Um. Because it just like it really relates to 
I think the connection between the um, aestheticization of like the Hell's Angels and then like what's happening right now. Definitely. The Boogaloo Boys. Okay, so it's the angels rather than gracefully accepting their place as losers in an increasingly technical, intellectual, global, inclusive, progressive American society uh, stuck up their fingers to the whole enterprise. Um, So I feel like that's like a a decent parallel um, there. But I yeah, um, that def- absolutely like it does because mm-hmm. uh, I mean people have been talking about like a lot of similarities like between like Hunter S. Thompson writing about like political p- campaigns and like the re- recent presidential campaigns like now there's like I-, I think there's like something there for sure. Um, but I- what I what I'm wondering before before we have to wrap up is like the difference between this sort of like more um, laissez-faire or or like more libertarian uh, uh, Hawaiian shirt versus the Proud Boys and their um, signature polo. uh, Yes. I would love to talk about that. Like so much. Um, Also, I can like keep going. It doesn't, I don't, I'm not (laughs) limited by time in a real way. So um, I like, so both the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys have definitely made aesthetic choices to like differentiate differentiate themselves from like Aryan Brotherhood like neck tattoo guys, you know. Um, so they're trying to they're literally trying to rebrand, basically, which we all are all the time. But um, have, did you guys see the news that Fred Perry, who produces uh, the polo shirts that are super popular with the Proud Boys, has declared they won't be selling that specific version of the shirt in North America anymore? Oh, amazing. Yeah, they, yeah. they don't want to be associated anymore. Yeah, so they yeah. like they said, like, we're not doing it anymore. But I'm, like, very skeptical of that, um, of, of that, I think. Um, at, at this point, wouldn't it just create like its own like sort of secondhand market? Like, yes, it has. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's. I mean, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say that there's like a there's a precedent for this kind of thing. Um, there was this company called Lonsdale that made a whole bunch of things that would get bought up by extremists. So um, they ended up actually they were like, well why don't we um, just start funding a whole bunch of like anti-racist education programs and then stop selling to retailers that are like associated with those Mm -hmm. extremist groups. So there's like a history of brands getting out ahead of this sort of appropriation. I don't know. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, And I think, I think that's like a very respectable thing for a brand to do. But like you said, there's also like the secondhand market that's already emerging um, in terms of there's all these UK Proud Boys that are like, because they're not discontinuing them outside of North America. So all the UK Proud Boys are like, okay, like we're going to ship them to you. So you'll have like this coveted (laughs) band item. And also, uh, I feel like the nature of these groups and like why they're so fun to talk about, even though they're like twisted and disturbed, is because of like how they evolve in such a um like rapid and convoluted way that's like impossible to track unless you have like the time and resources like 
be someone who researches like the far right like every day you know what I mean so I feel like um it's it's like a very meaningful gesture and I understand why they do it but at the same time I'm like um it's it's just this uh like this like the the rights um thing with aesthetics it's it's just like this all-consuming monster where they are going to appropriate like any aesthetic they can get their hands on like it's happening and like i don't know if you guys are familiar with cottage core but that's like, a huge thing yeah um so it's just like a yeah it's like a it's there's a hungry hungry monster of proud boys um well yeah. there's also this weird thing about respectability in their fashion too yes definitely um the this the like rigidness and straightness of the way that they dress which i i think the precedent for that in like contemporary age was set um at like the charlottesville protests with the guys wearing the polos and khakis um yeah yeah so that was a very conscious rebranding but i do think that like the um the proud boys interest and like fred Fred Perry specifically in that style of like very neat buttoned up shirt kind of speaks to like more of the um, weird, like constant ongoing eternal libidinal quality of um, like, like fascist or like authoritarian clothes. Um, Like how Nazi chic has always been like a thing. And I think that kind of um, comes from how, the Fred Perry polos were like initially super popular with just like working class dudes and then skinheads were also working class and then some skinheads were like far right white supremacists whatever so I and so then it became like a uh, uh, garment choice associated with um, that set of values and so I think that's kind of like the like they're they're really trying to tap into this like um, really well mannered, well groomed look that's also uh, has this like scary libidinal, like Nazi chic thing that like I that like uh, Nazis mastered, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they that, did. That makes, yeah, they, they they were on top of yeah. it. No, that 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 definitely makes a lot of sense given you know the the founding of the Proud Boys was from you know an alternative aesthetic magazine, Vice, like who you know like they were extremely successful at turning their small zine into a multi-million dollar Fox news subsidiary. Like (laughs) uh, I think it makes perfect sense that there's that lineage. Um, I also think like, you know, thinking about Charlottesville, it's like they can't go like, like, the clan robes are just straight up too goofy at this point and too <laughs> too on the nose so you need to like update for the modern era you know we don't we don't build our own crosses to burn we have to buy little tiki torches from home depot <laughs> now like you know and we you know we buy this one brand of polos we, lord knows like we don't make them ourselves anymore there's no clothing manufacturing here anymore that we can like proudly wear like so they're just like, yeah, just picking and choosing the like fashion from a magazine, just like anyone else would. I yeah. thought it was pretty weird, like the you you know the logo that 
got made right after the presidential debates from the Proud Boys. That was like when when Trump was like, you know, stand back and stand by. They immediately like went to the graphics center and they were like, oh, now is our chance to make Not a the post. graphics center. <laughs> yeah, dude, the, the, the dastardly Proud Boys <laughs> graphics center. Yeah, the working group, the graphic design working group of the Yes, Proud yes, yeah. yeah. The graphic design center is like in a bunker. Um, <laughs> it's like well-equipped. Um yeah, funded by the FBI or whatever. Yeah. 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 And it was just like, they came out with this logo like right after the debates that it was just like the, the a PB mm-hmm. with in, inside a little wreath. And then it said the thing that tr- Trump said, like stand, stand, yeah. stand by, back, stand back, stand by, proud mm-hmm. boys. And then a little like wreath around it. And I looked at it and the only thing I could think was like, Damn, this is some Abercrombie ass <laughs> Nazi shit. Yes. Um, yeah, that's that's so funny. But I feel like that like rapidity of like getting that done fast is like something like the left has really failed to do. Um, yeah. Which is like making people who maybe aren't entirely ideologically developed like be drawn in through superficial things like branding or aesthetics no Um, people are like it's like almost antithetical to like when you try like because i have because i'm in i'm in a lefty group and i'm always trying to be like if we can just get a little more consistent in our images (laughs) if we can just get a little more consistent in our presentation uh we could we could maybe you know x y and z and then it's like well it's also we're just like this kind of flying by the seat of our pants group that just mm-hmm. sort of like gets it done whenever it gets done by, by whoever's available to do it. And we are just appealing to whoever like we talk to directly. And it's just like, okay, I get like outreach in IRL is like way better, like far, far superior, but it's like, we're not going to be able to do that in COVID again soon. Like, you know, all right, wait, hear me out. Hear me out, homies. What about, like, Karl Marx, but he's wearing sunglasses and he's, like, oh. surfing, you okay. know? But, like, I there has to be something, like, not goofy and, like, sexy about it. Like, that's, like, the, that's the secret yeah. sauce is, like, a weird, like, erotic flavor, which I don't think the Boogaloo Boys have, but there is, like, a something about like there's like something found like guns and like yeah, the yeah, mix yeah. together so yeah. like they need like like um what i actually am really curious what you guys think about um like the hot like commie girls on twitter who have like they're like really hot and have guns and like wear like bathing suits like i'm i'm really curious because like I, I like I see them sometimes and then you know and I feel like yeah. that, that's kind of an attempt to um I also think about like bread tube quote unquote is sort of solidifying what is, what is bread tube that's the um lefty YouTube oh, lefty YouTubers okay have, they've kind of developed their own sort of aesthetic kind of I think contrapoints has has sort of spearheaded a lot yeah. of like lighting and costuming choices that other Oliver Thorne. Yeah. Um, and which comes from drag, but, uh, <laughs> but like, I, like don't know, the, about it. I don't know. The women with guns thing is really interesting to me. 
uh, as well. Like I used to look at the, um, it would be like the woman who killed a lion and everyone got really mad at her. And she's like, I did it cause it's my right. And I'm, and my tits are out. Look at that. So it's like really confusing people. Like they couldn't get mad at her cause her tits were out. But then they were like, I'm really mad at you because you killed a lion. And then some people were like, I think it's really beautiful that you killed a lion. Can I take you out sometime? Do you think that like is kind of related to like the, um, the, the Casey Anthony um, effect where it's like, if you're just like a kind of hot woman, but you're also extremely deviant or like disturbed in some way, like it's just like this like uh, perversely attractive thing, kind of. Yeah, I think there's something uh, yeah. there. Yeah, Definitely. probably. Well, because it's super attractive to see people who are like self-propelling. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I also feel like it's like the opposite of um, uh, just like perfect femininity in, in this case because um, it's it's just it's more balanced. It's not like perfect, like fembot femininity Kardashian style or something. No, it's like psycho murderer <laughs> bitch. <laughs> so like psycho. fucking really bad for family values. Really bad for family values. Definitely. Oh yeah. Like it's like, it's a, like a, a pegging thing. It's like a, I'm obsessed with that. Fem, it's like what? a fem, femdom thing. Like, I think like, to see a woman with a gun like i think it, that's a very like power uh di- that's a that's like a different differentiating power dynamic or then, something like, yeah. hot girl should like keep doing it like they should keep doing their thing on twitter um, i'm for it as, i'm like, for a recruitment it strategy i i am yeah. i'm i'm for i'm for leftist uh you know being safe and and uh getting guns like safe always sexy yeah, and- why don't why don't y'all join the Socialist Rifle Association and make some cool <laughs> memes out of that? I, I think somehow, <laughs> uh, yeah, they do. I, there's definitely some like sexy socialist gun girls on Twitter I've seen. <laughs> yeah, they're they're actually rising in power right now, so stay posted. I did want to like <laughs> follow up to something Lucia said a while back, which is about like. Um, how good the right is at uh, infiltrating subcultures and like making them really successful. So this is like another thing I haven't seen really any journalists covering the Boogaloo Boys say, but okay, so Vaporwave, you guys know it, of course, right? Yep. Okay. (laughs) So- Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I like- Vaporwave had this this faction of accelerationists um, that kind of like took over towards the end. Yeah, what what's his name? Nick Land. Nick Land, yeah. yeah. And so then it kind of just like people were like, "This is a." They mean like like fash fash wave became a thing, which is like a fascist wave, which is like vaporwave but fascist. Um, but Nick Land wasn't. A fascist, though. No, definitely not. He's an accelerationist. He's an accelerationist. Yeah, and he, and he was sort of in that that uh, he was internet milieu. This like aesthetic trope, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. And people like talk about how uh, 
vaporwave was like the first music genre that like corresponded with the ideals like of accelerationism. But anyways, I'm saying this all to say that um, like Hawaiian shirts were kind of like part of, or at least like Hawaiian and tropical um, motifs were really popular in vaporwave. And I feel like there's like a really, there's a pipeline there for sure, which like, I think also relates back to Vaporwave's like appreciation of like Greco-Roman classical um, art. I, I think it might. Theori- so here's my theory with that is um, because Vaporwave it steals so much from Japanese synth pop. Yes. Yeah. And Japanese people wear a lot of Hawaiian or, and Okinawan. And there's like we were talking about before the yeah. aesthetic link there. I think yep. that it, there's also this idea of like, I don't know. It's almost like there's like a vacation idea to it where, ah, yes. You know, it's like, hey, this isn't business as usual. We're, we're wearing our vacation clothes because now we're going to switch up the program. No, you're totally right. And that's the mood of the music a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I guess having this, um, kind of leisurely attitude towards really intense ideas. Um, it's yeah, or a, yeah, it's a, it's yeah, turning, yes, yeah. But speaking of um, girls with guns and Nick Land, uh, there's actually an essay in Fanged Numina about why feminism fails, and it's it's kind of I don't know, it's something I think about a lot. Um, I just try to like work out the logic and where it's coming from, but. Yeah. The idea is, you know, something that is kind of a basic criticism of a lot of left groups where uh, Land is saying like, oh, no one is afraid of feminists, you know, they're all sort of like, hey, we want to just have a nice life. And, you know, well, you would get that if you were scarier, like, you know, think about it. How could you be scarier? And then he goes on from there. But I don't know. It's something that also ties into the way that people are like, not only trying to like intimidate culture at large, but also kind of confound. I feel like, so he's talking about kind of like blase, boring, like centrist, liberal feminists, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the idea of second wave where it's like, I'm fighting for my right to sit at the table. And it's like, okay, well, you're sitting at the table. Good job. Yeah, I feel (laughs) I feel like um, as an alternative to like being like being scary in a traditional sense would be like, which would be like having like a gun or like being a sniper or something. I don't know. I feel like uh, what needs to be reintroduced is a like a, a more like I'm not gonna say like the feminine mystique, but I I always talk about how like bimbos were wrongfully eradicated from our society. Um, no, you're you're <laughs> absolutely right. You're I, I I'm so glad you brought this up because because when I when I first was looking into your work, I I saw a lot of the bimbo motif yeah. and. I think there's something there right now. And and can, if I can just like, sorry, because I know I'm the only one who watched Canada's Drag Race. But like another reason why I think Jimbo is so popular is she is the most like bimbo-fied drag queen that's been on Drag Race ever. Like like just huge balloon tits, like Jessica Rabbit type bimbo. 
<laughs> yeah. Damn. And, and I, if I could relate that back to pop culture, I would say um, Megan Fox is like the real life example of that. And people yeah. were really scared of her and like treated her like a like a literal like modern day witch because she refused to be uh, smart and hot at the same time. And sometimes she was smart and sometimes she was really stupid. And she was just... Um, had I, I think all of the the layers of a uh someone who is able to like inhabit this this bimbo space to get what they want which is uh, like pamela anderson too yeah yeah <laughs> this, is the, this is the the basis of all my work actually <laughs> yeah, yeah it really is um, that's incredible yeah I, I you gotta look into jimbo it just like study like a little of that because I think there's something there why she got so popular, uh, more popular than the winner. If yeah, th- I really want to look into that, <laughs> and that's also becoming popular right now with girls that are like my age and younger. Is um, so they're like these like this le- these leftist or socialist girls who are like, um, so like yeah, I'm a leftist, yeah, I'm a socialist, but like all I want is to be like a stay at home mom and like have fake tits and like um not do anything and that's the red scare ethos that's like yes yeah it's the red scare ethos but like i guess accelerated because i think a lot of their their preferences i think is more like um i guess bimbos are also really thin but there's like a more of like a oh no yeah they're they're yeah they're like pro pro anna right that's what they (laughs) say oh god that's what they say i don't know i don't care no (laughs) I'm like so. I can't no, of course I'm that. anti. <laughs> I just think that like the red scare people are directly pro Anna, and I know it's, a, it's funny. Like I can talk about like gun nut militias all day, and then I'm like, what pro Anna? No, it's Stop absolutely it stupid. It's absolutely stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Line crossed. <laughs> but I, I also think we need to think about that. Like the left did have a really successful aesthetic group, the Black Panthers. Yes. Like insanely strong fashion and uh, extremely effective organizing. It's just the problem is you get targeted and taken down immediately by the FBI and the CIA. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, (laughs) you go. Okay. Um, In response to that, do you think like the answer is this um, formulated goofiness that like Boogaloo boys have? (laughs) Obviously, they're not leftist really at all, but. Like that's part of their um, part of their ethos and their mo is yeah no definitely so, they're working oh, because they're goofy so I, oh, God <laughs> I I think anytime we I think the problem is yeah anytime that we get any sort of uniformity then we have huge targets on our back um, well. The- I don't know. I was thinking about like, so there's Black Panthers, right? And they have this really uniform sort of like outfacing messaging. But then I keep thinking about like other groups that have had influence in kind of like, you know, I don't know. I think about Bader Meinhof a bunch mm. where the aesthetic is like blend in completely, live incognito, separate yourself and just like, do all of these really quiet acts like um and and then um 
you know, they, they kind of got taken down because, uh, like, law enforcement would catch some of them and then, like, you know, they were torturing them or, like, um, they were, like, uh, saying, oh, well, you know, we'll give you life in, in prison if you don't tell us who uh, you were working with or something. But it was hard to spot who they were because they had absolutely no differentiation and they would go around, you know, Germany, like Berlin or whatever. And they'd be like, okay, cool. We're going to plant a bomb under a bridge and we're just going to wait until general Haig, uh, crosses that bridge and see what happens. You know, it wasn't like my look, I'm on TV. Right. But that was like, Wait, when was this? I my brain is uh, not. Um, it's like that. it's like post World War Two in like I guess late sixties, seventies. Like they like, actually had right when oh, everything you... was being like spectacleized at at a fast fast rate. Well, it it was like the generation after world like uh the war was ended. Um, they were really kind of disillusioned because all of their, you know, all of the youth, their parents were wrapped up in some, like, crazy Nazi shit, you know? And they were like, how can you all have, how can you all have gone this far? And I think a lot about that because it's where we are and where we're headed is, like, towards this sort of, um, you know, we're just going to be exploding into all different kinds of, chaotic violence just gonna keep happening and it's like what is that gonna do to inform the future and eventually the aesthetics sort of boil away I think Mm. and it kind of becomes this more about action than like seeing who is the one performing it but I don't know I mean you know Butter Meinhof was really successful in like that they had um new high security prisons built to house them because they were just like real slippery. I mean, I think that is really similar to what was going on in the U S at the same time um, with a lot of uh, radical, like the weather underground or like, yeah. uh, Very, very similar tactics were happening. And, and we do talk a lot about in recent months on this show that we kind of are in a seventies resurgent time. Um, particularly in the cities um so we we could i I, yeah it's not a it's not a bad history to be reading about right now that's all i'll say yeah i feel like there is a certain rejection of individuality obviously there but i feel like uh since everything is so hyper individualized now which is definitely an effect of neoliberalism um I wonder how that can like translate into what we have going on now. Well, I think that these groups, Better Meinhof and Weather Underground, are also pretty individualized. I think that's kind mm. of what, um, what what Lucia was saying when like like you know you one one act one person just does it like it's it's there's not like a central committee coordinating all of these acts, you know? And I think the seventies were really similar time where there were a lot of like bombings and like whatever from, from radical groups. And like our version is like these street confrontations where people keep getting killed. um, But like, 
they're very individualized. It's just this one, this, this, this one gunman, um, whether it's, whether it's the, um, Kyle Rittenhouse guy or mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a left. I don't, I don't buy that. The, the left guy who the, the cops killed the quote unquote, he, so I don't know if you guys Wait, are you talking about Duncan Lemp. Um, I don't think that was his name. He had the BLM tattoo. He was a white. Oh no, bald that's guy. a different guy. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, he was a white bald guy, and he got murked by the cops in custody. Um, uh, and he shot a cop, but didn't kill a cop. And um, and he was spo- quote on like supposedly this like kind of left version of Kyle Rittenhouse that everybody was trying to both sides. But to me, um. I can't tell if 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 he if it, if that how legitimate his situation was because he he's like an ex military guy, like with like a very strangely placed BLM tattoo that just like is this an op? Is this real? I can't tell. It's like a washed <laughs> off tattoo. What are those yeah. <laughs> the things that you lick? Oh God! I mean, well, knows? it's. Because <laughs> we, because we also know that the FBI and CIA will utilize like mentally unstable people yeah, to definitely. their own ends, yeah. um, and give them arms and push them to do things. Oh, that makes right. me Which so is... sad. Like, thinking about how people are becoming more mentally ill, and I'm like, all oh, these babies are gonna get, they're gonna be utilized. Well, I think that there, that's kind of like going back into the, um, into the boogaloo sort of ethos or whatever it's it kind of has a built-in catch for that where Mm. they have this like martyr culture developing where it's like if if any of the boog people get killed by the cops um they it's like you know their spokespeople give conferences that are like we are all we are all the person who was (laughs) killed we're if you kill me like someone else will take my place and we're just going to keep going. And, you know, we're, we're unified in our, um, in our efforts, but we're individualized in our death. Yeah. Like when you die, you become this individual with like a name and a face and you like are this, but you're still part of the group. That's the point of a group. That's the point of having an, an aestheticized and deliberate group. Um, and that's like what makes a it, it a militia and not like just a um a a group of angry guys protecting a a gas station like some of these groups are. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. definitely feel like martyrdom is like the secret sauce there, like for sure, and the and the differentiation between those two things. Yeah, and then and then there's this weird thing of like those guys teeter and. Solomon, the ones who got busted with the FBI sting, like, like okay, you were talking about how the FBI and CIA will just, like, string people along. So now there's this huge, not huge, I mean, there's this argument that's developing around their the treatment of these people because um, some, like, internal voices, I guess, are saying that they don't think the Bureau should be using their funds to just like string along people and make these, um, you know, 
these little honeypot traps when there is so many cases of out and out obvious white supremacist violence. Yeah, for sure. But they're not they're ideologically built to um to be to be like um anti anti communist and anti left um orgs and anti black and like and that's who they target and that's the the whole and and anti muslim of course like and that's the the whole thing is set up for so it's like yeah there's like all of these like studies now about like all of the the violence is right is happening right in front of the FBI right in front of the cops like they and they're all working together and that's like that's what's really scary about the modern world not like trump like like that shit's all weird games what the 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 cops working directly to to venerate this like guys like Kyle Rittenhouse to just keep keep at it you know like de- deputizing um these random white nationalists uh, sad sad men is really disturbing yeah <laughs> yeah it's bad oh yeah. Interim police chief in Oakland actually just came under fire for wearing a Hawaiian shirt. So, yeah, a little fun fact, I guess. And then, and then they were like, and then they were like, "Look, there is a sale at Tommy Bahama." That was okay? like the cutest thing I've ever heard. Though is like whenever someone talks about department stores, I'm like, my heart, because like the mall is like a dying, like it is what it is. But yeah, that was so funny how they literally said. There's a sale at Tommy Bahama, like at the mall. It was just so funny. <laughs> yeah, you can't just go and and cast aspersions upon your fellow countrymen when <laughs> there are sales. Yeah, at seriously, Tommy there's a Bahama. Sale at Tommy Bahama, like get over it. <laughs> Come on. That's the thing. Like if you if you have like a a nationalist or white nationalist stylists they're gonna like throw in little clues and hints like that like it, it it reminds me of like trump trump is probably coached in like little things to say to like to make the cute q people like go <laughs> crazy you know that's like so true. if you say way. this that's gonna help your base a lot like that sort of thing but for these ex- like because that, that's normal right you tell you tell a celebrity or you tell a politician like if you say this it'll appeal to this type of person that's like definitely happening with these extremist groups too Wait, can i also say that i feel like <laughs> um the fact that a lot of people are refusing to wear hawaiian shirts now because of the <laughs> association i feel like that's super fair but i think it's also kind of a symptom of like the post QAnon paranoia that we're all subject to in some way definitely like you um, can't let you can't let that shit like just control your regular life. Yeah, <laughs> all I feel like when we make everything a matter of aesthetics, it's really dangerous because um, they're like ultimately hollow. It's like ultimately a hollow vessel that can be filled up with like whatever ideology. So like, God bless. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true, and it definitely gets people into like all these tricky like tricky situations yeah and it's and it's just like whoa 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 this is just we just need to chill like it's not like this person is a goddamn politician they're, right there they're was a sale at tommy bahama like that's what it was. <laughs> 
That's all. <laughs> I think I think all I'm saying is I think there's a difference between like criticizing no, a, yeah. a public official versus yeah, a, a, a drag queen no. or a, a random Instagram person because drag queens get so much shit for their aesthetic choices. Like in the, on, there's all these big drama YouTubes about like you wore this and you did this. Wow. <laughs> Maybe um, I should pivot to that. Um, just like reading yeah. <laughs> Boogaloo Boys on YouTube, and I'm like. Here I'm gonna break down this militiaman's look. <laughs> it would do. I think. I think similar to your dark a- academia thing. If you did a, a breakdown of Boogaloo fashion TikTok, I think it would uh, raise your numbers significantly. I'm really scared of getting doxxed because I like definitely tread a, a line. I think, um, and like what I'm like willing to talk about, um, but like. I think I'll. May, I feel uh, you. I feel you there. Maybe I should <laughs> just live in a van so I can't get doxxed. I'll live in an RV so I can't get doxxed. Always on the move. I mean, it's always good to read up on security culture and maybe stuff you can delete of your digital footprint. And yeah, stuff. I think that's a really good idea. So I can proceed with my um, <laughs> internet analysis videos with this peace of mind. Well, that's great. We'll definitely link to that TikTok in our show notes. Oh my god, um, great! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're stuck now. Yeah, yeah I'm like that's like it's gonna be on my headstone. Is that I was TikTok famous for talking about also- Google boys? <laughs> <laughs> is it also Mark Fisher quotes your TikTok? Actually, Bimbo Theory. Um, oh, Bimbo Theory. Damn. Is my TikTok. That's so good. Thank oh my you. god. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> the you're really on to something with the bimbo theories yeah okay well definitely we're gonna link to your instagram and and your tiktok and um thanks so much for coming on and talking with us today thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed talking with you guys and like i said you guys really got me through some hard times um so even that even more so i'm happy to talk to you because uh i'm thankful for your service in my life i guess oh yay it's not parasocial it's just regular social no seriously though like i know it's like hard to probably be consistent with podcasting and stuff but it like it really did have a really positive impact on my life at a hard time so keep doing what you guys are doing because it's awesome oh that's so good to hear thank you you're welcome Sometimes it feels like nobody's listening. And no, it's, there's a girl in a warehouse in New Orleans <laughs> listening. <laughs> so. That's what we're doing this for. Yeah. Hey, what's up? That one warehouse. Yeah. 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 This one goes out to you. Oh, my God. That's all I ever wanted. And here I am. Oh, well, it's great to talk to you, Viz. And- yeah, seriously. I- <laughs> um any other plugs anything else your upcoming shows or anything um, before we wrap up? i don't know i would definitely mark fisher quotes on instagram is where i am most active i also write for document journal um that's more straight fashion stuff but you could read that if you want um yeah that's that's where you can find me online that's awesome. Any anything with you, Lucia? Anything upcoming? Your show is coming soon, like right? Oh yeah! Like, congratulations on that. That is so amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really, really intense. 
this past week um, getting things together for this show. But yeah, I have uh, have a painting show. It's called Firewater, and it's opening at JDJ Ice House um, on October 17th. And um, I don't actually know what the visitor ability is going to be like right now because we're talking about going into another shutdown and stuff. So... I'm like just holding my breath until then, um, you know, but yeah, uh, we'll see. Everything's online at least. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is cool to see Lucia's paintings IRL. Um, it's really shitty. Everything that's going on with being able to fucking view art right now. It sucks. It's yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's COVID's pretty lame guys. <laughs> Lucia, uh, you could become a TikTok painter if you, if you felt like it. If you, oh <laughs> shit, if you felt like it. I'm just saying. Yeah, and I could do like Harley Quinn stuff. <laughs> yeah, please do. Yeah, do bimbo stuff, please. Oh, that'd be dope. Actually, yeah, I could get in, into that. <laughs> yeah, well, I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on over. Get your bimbo here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like on a boardwalk with one of those what are those called like uh airbrush guns like making beautiful yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, that's that's a dream for sure oh yeah dude, and i'm just yes. slinging them for the kids <laughs> that shit is like having a resurgent popular sorry we're gonna go off transit with, with that let's, <laughs> let's have fun everyone we'll go off with everyone's favorite bimbo leon she uh, <laughs> everyone's favorite that's bimbo beige sugar <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Thank you so much. Let's have fun. Lots of fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Lots of fun. Let's have 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 fun.